Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Vera, and joining me today is Brian. Hello. And we are continuing our look at Benjamin Franklin. What a great guy. Benjamin Franklin, part four. Who knew there was so much about Ben Franklin? Yep. So uh, last week we talked about how he was dealing with Parliament. Um, as Parliament was starting to tax the colonies, he went over to England to try to find a peaceful situation. And then, well, he they just go... Got- he just got roasted they over got, and over again. Yeah, they had some unkind words for him, and that kind of turned him. Um, so on May 6, 1775, Franklin would arrive in Philadelphia to help figure out what the next steps would be for the American colonies. Remember, Lexington and Concord had happened. So you have this weird thing going on where the colonists and the English are at war, but they're not kind of technically at war. People aren't really sure what's going on yet. They still are trying to be peaceful. American colonists are actually still referring to themselves as English. It's just this weird kind of limbo state that's going on. So on May 6th, 1775, arrives in Philadelphia. Um, A newspaper would say, Franklin is highly pleased to find us arming and preparing for the worst events. He thinks nothing else can save us from the most abject slavery and destruction. At the same time, he encourages us to believe a spirited opposition will be the means of our salvation. So the Second Continental Congress was scheduled to convene five days after Franklin returned and unanimously chose to make him the delegate from Pennsylvania. First order of business was to appoint George Washington as head of the Continental Army. This was actually somewhat of a controversial choice because most of the people that were fighting were from New England, and they couldn't quite understand why a Virginian was being picked to lead them. Um, But it's a smart choice. One, it showed the English that the rebellion just wasn't limited to the Northeast, that it ranged throughout the 13 colonies. Also, Washington, even though he's not the greatest military guy, he is a leader of people. He, he knows how to get people motivated and things like that. And later, everyone's going to want him as leader. So. Yes. All right. So the British responded by sending more military personnel to the colonies. At seven years old, Franklin would serve on the Committee of Foreign Affairs, Safety, and Monetary Matters. So he is an extremely busy person. Uh, he would do everything but actually make speeches. He believed there was more than enough people to speak, and his talents could be used elsewhere. He would be made postmaster general once again, and he gets paid a nice sum of money, $1,000 a year, which is a lot of money back then. Um, And he is going to actually donate it all to wounded veterans. In August of 1775, King George would declare all the colonies in a state of rebellion. Franklin would begin to analyze how much the cost of a war with England would be. He believed it would cost about 100,000 pounds a month. He would say, if 500,000 families will each spend a shilling a week less or earn a shilling a week more, uh, they may pay the whole sum without otherwise feeling it. But such neat calculations fail to account for the stubborn realities that made raising money a persisting, haunting problem for the Americans. Um, Remember, big issue is taxation. People don't like paying taxes. It's kind of the whole reason why this thing started. And now you're asking them to pay taxes. Um, That's not going to go well. No. He would then begin writing songs and articles in support of the revolution. One would be adopted by Thomas Jefferson as his own, 
Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Okay. Um, however, rebellion is going to tear Franklin's family apart. His son, William, was the royal governor of New Jersey. Um, and William believed that his loyalty was to, because his job was as royal governor, his loyalty was to the king. Um, and that is going to absolutely gut Ben. Uh, colonial authorities would place him under house arrest in 1776 and openly question him about loyalty to the American cause. In June of 76, he's going to be arrested, put in prison in Connecticut. At this point, Franklin basically disowns his son, um, doesn't even come to his aid, doesn't speak for him, anything like that, even though he's a man of tremendous power within the colonies. He would write, Indeed, nothing has ever hurt me so much and affected me with such keen sensations as to find myself deserted in my old age by my only son, and not only deserted, but taking up arms against me in a cause wherein my good fame, fortune, and life were all at stake. I mean, yeah, at that point, I can see why he want to disown him. Yeah, he's kind of like, dude, I've done all this stuff for you, and yeah, you're just turning at me like that. Yeah. I believe he was the one holding the kite. His son? His son. I believe William was the one actually holding the kite in the famous kite experiment, if I am not mistaken. In March of 1776, Franklin would be appointed as part of a three-man commission to determine if more resources should be spent to invade Quebec. America, like in from like 1700 to about 1830-ish, America always had this weird obsession with invading Canada. Like, Always. It's just weird. That's what the War of 1812 is all about. We've already talked about that in yeah. previous episodes. It's just like they, they've always wanted Canada to be another state. I mean, like, you got the southern part, and then it's just snow. Yes. Like, yeah, there's no real reason to go up after, like, maybe a few tens of miles. I don't miles. Even think, like, Ontario is really established at that point. It's still primarily just Quebec. Yeah. So uh, they found that the American supply lines were already way too thin and the winter weather was hazardous. He would write Congress and say, if money cannot be had to support your army here with honor as to be respected instead of hated by the people, we repeat it as our firm and unanimous opinion that it's better to immediately to withdraw. Uh, once again, these are very hard words for Franklin because he was one of those people that really thought Canada should be a 14th U.S. colony. All right. If it was, then and like... Wow. That, like, how would that have changed today if it was a colony? Like, if like all of Canada was a state? If, like, or that would Quebec, be, at least. That, that would be interesting. Yeah. I wonder how that would have altered history. I wonder if there would be a lot of French-speaking people. Still, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he alludes to lack of money, and that's going to be a constant issue with the Continental Congress and the Continental Army. Um, a lot of historians say that uh, George Washington's actually fighting two wars. He's fighting against the British and he's fighting against the Continental Congress because no one wants to give him money. I think he actually spent a lot of his own money fronting the war. Uh, when he returned to Congress, they were in the midst of debating whether or not to declare independence. Thomas Paine's common sense had come out and made many believe this was the only option. Uh, if you ever read Common Sense, it's basically just a long form essay on why the colonists need to rebel. Uh, and the, the, there's like a connection between Payne and Franklin. Only reason why Payne was actually in America, because when Franklin was in England, Franklin vouched for Thomas Payne, who was 
just trying to get over to the United States to get a job. He vouched for him and got him a printing gig in the colonies. So there, there's that weird connection. Um, as Thomas Jefferson would begin writing the Declaration of Independence, um, he would get helped with by Franklin and John Adams. Uh, Jefferson was like really con like self-conscious about the document. Like he was like really worried about it. Like that the fact that this was going to be the document. Like he he had like some self-esteem issues with that. I mean, it worked. It except did work. for the inalienable versus unalienable. <laughs> um, so after debating the document and making several amendments, document is finally going to be signed on July 4th. And that will be marked the 4th of July. Wasn't it signed on July 2nd, <clears throat> but then we had to change it to July 4th for some... I, I think the initial draft was brought forth on the 2nd, and they had to make several alterations to it. Okay. And then they finally signed it on July 4th, and that officially puts us at a state of war with England. So once again, we've been going like at it for like two years without there actually being official war going on. Uh on July 16th, Franklin would be chosen as president of Pennsylvania Convention to help raise, revise their state constitution. And then in September, he's going to make one last attempt at peace. He and Adams would go meet General Howe, who's in charge of the British Army. Howe said that King George is ready to meet the demands of the colonists um, <clears throat> basically prior to 1776. So those early demands of you can tax us, just ask us about it. Like that was the main demand. Um, but at this point, it's Franklin, it's, it, yeah, Franklin Adams, they, they see independence on the wall and that's what they want. Uh, so the war is going to continue on for the next six years. Um, it was going to be a long war and the colonists lacked resources to fight it. So they are going to try to find an ally and what easy ally to pick than the French because the French hated the English. And the French were also really bitter about losing Canada. Um, so Franklin and two other men are going to be selected to go to France and broker this alliance. Franklin would have to work, uh, have his work cut out from him for, for him um, because the French position was neutral and they saw the revolution as a civil war. Also, it's hard to go to a monarchy and say, hey, can you help fund us to overthrow this monarchy? Surely that won't happen in France yeah. anytime later. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, he would begin to secretly meet with the French foreign minister, Comte de Vergen, to garner aid. Uh, Franklin then had to deal with the fact that Congress was ununified and they were all asking for different things and all had different expectations. And he's just getting all these different voices telling him like what to do, what they need, all that stuff. What makes it even worse is it takes about three months for a message to get from the Americas to France. So it's just extremely delayed in everything he's doing and it is just frustrating him. In January, 1777, King Louis formally received Franklin's request for much needed financial assistance. He'd give the colonists around $300,000. Louis's main goal was to limit England's power and avenge the loss of Canada. Also, um, then you get it, what is considered to be the turning point of the American Revolution, and that is the Battle of Saratoga. Um, Battle of Saratoga happened in New York. Basically, there was an English plan to get Washington trapped in New York and then just converge on him by three different armies, but it goes horribly wrong. 
the guy leaving from Buffalo, he gets scared. He goes back to like Buffalo and doesn't tell anybody about it. The guy who's coming from New York gets distracted, goes, takes Philadelphia instead and doesn't tell the guy from Canada that he's now in Philadelphia. So the guy whose name is Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne is coming from Canada and he's none of his friends are coming to the party. And what happens is he takes a really long time to get to Southern New York, spends all his resources, gets pretty much trapped by the colonists and he's forced to surrender. It's, and, and that's where, uh, if you don't know the story of Benedict Arnold, that's where Benedict yes, Arnold really makes a name for himself. He's kind of like the hero, but he gets no credit. So that starts to turn on him. It's a very fascinating study. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> big battle. Burgoyne surrenders his entire army of around five to 6,000 guys. Didn't he get fired after that? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, so him surrendering that army, the French are going to see this and be like, ah, these guys might actually have a chance of winning. Maybe we should give them more money. All right. So the French were now prepared to form an open alliance with the U.S. Um, France likely created it out of fear of the English quickly making amends with the colonists and then cutting them completely out of trade. I had never heard that before. So the idea is the, the French government is now saying, whoa, the English just lost this army. They may want to make peace. And if they make peace, part of the peace negotiation may be something like you can't trade with France. And we can't have that happen. Um, it also gave them an excuse to rebuild their navy. Who doesn't like building their navy? Yeah. Uh, France would be the first country to officially recognize the United States. England promptly responded by declaring war on France. So now we're kind of just turning into a little bit of a world war. Uh, Franklin would had who had uh, would work on treaties with the French. It was agreed that both sides would not make a separate peace with the English. The French would not take any territory in America, and France would give the U.S. another $2 million in aid. Also, they're going to start sending weapons. They're going to start sending advisors. More importantly, they're going to send their navy. This definitely won't make France broke. No, totally won't. Oh, no, yeah, because France has got all that money to spend. Yeah. Um, if you don't know about France in the 1700s, um, the stat I once heard was 50% of their GDP was going to upkeeping King Louis' house. Versailles. All right. So they are broke and now they're just spending more and more money on the U.S., which will help lead to their own revolution. And all that money is still going to Versailles and all those yes, upper noble the, the, people. Yes, the aristocracy and things like that. And the best part about it is when they're like, can we have our money back? And we're like, we don't have it. Sorry. Uh, soon after the treaty signing, Franklin moved out of Paris into an attractive suburb um, closer to Versailles, where he would mingle with the upper class. Um here on an inviting estate with spacious gardens, Franklin spent the remainder of his time in France, living comfortably with many servants, a cellar stocked with fine wines, um, a whole bunch of neighbors that he was extremely friendly with. Um, he can almost forget his torments from gout, uh, bladder or kidney stones and other old age diseases. So he is not in the best of health, but he's still living the life. Uh, the public adulation that he received in the fashionable circles of society also helped him to ignore his physical infirmities. He was also quite the ladies' man. It's well known he had many of mistresses in his time of France. Um, 
And we'll talk about this next week when John Adams comes over to Paris. He is not very happy. He was like, Ben, what are you doing? He's like, what? I'm just mingling with the people. Got to be good with the people for them to give us money. And John Adams is like, but anyway, that's for next week. Wasn't Jefferson also there? (laughs) Jefferson goes a little bit later. All right. Jefferson's going to get, he gets like radicalized. He's there during the French Revolution and he becomes all like, I believe from that, he's one of his quotes is a good revolution, small revolution is good from time to time. Basically, you got to hit the reset button every so often. (laughs) Um, Franklin was already well known throughout France before he arrived in 1776 because of all his inventions, his writings and things like that. He would, however, become more and more popular the longer he stayed. He learned to play the part of the simple American, which the upper class in France absolutely loved. He would even sometimes don a beaver skin hat and wear like buckskin clothes and things like that. And like, oh, the simple American. Isn't he funny? Ah, let's give him money. And those beaver hats yep. were laced with mercury. So maybe that was leading to his sicknesses. Probably. Uh, he was trying to serve as a symbol of democracy and the epitome of a new class of society. There's even like a, a letter that his daughter sends him. Like, can you please send me some of those like fancy French clothes that are in Paris? And he writes her like the scathing letter like, no. I have taught you to be frugal with your money and not spend it on stupid stuff like this. But then he ends up like, can you please send me some chicken feathers so I can make a hat or something? (laughs) It's a really weird letter. Um, Wherever he went in Paris, crowds would soon join. Painters and sculptors would try to recreate him in artistic form. His portrait appeared on mandolins and snuff boxes. Uh, he would write to his daughter, your father's face is as well known as that of the moon. This man is like super, super pop. You've got people painting him and making sculptures of him in Paris. Like he, I, I can't even, I don't even know like who you could compare that to in modern society. Um, I mean, we got pop culture people, but you don't have people sitting there and like making sculptures of them and paintings of them. And like he and he was going like in front of the legislator and they'd always be giving him a round of applause and cheering him. I mean, in the USSR, like, you know, Lenin. Hey, but that's uh, that's that's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. That's forced. This is not Francis Baron Torget coined the epigram for Franklin that stuck. He snatched fire from the heavens and the scepter from the tyrant's back. I would be a little concerned if I was Louis at this point. Yeah. If this revolutionary is this popular in your country. Just imagine like a revolutionary from your country. Yes. Uh, Something might be. uh, Not going well. Something may be building up there. Um, While in France, he would also become friends with the leading philosopher in the time, Voltaire. Voltaire is one of the famous Enlightenment philosophers. He was a strong proponent for freedom of speech and freedom of religion. He was anti-slavery. Probably why him and Voltaire got along so well. Was that the guy he was restricted to the bathtub? I never remember his No, name. that's, um, uh, begins with D. D, all right. Voltaire's dead already by the time the French Revolution starts. All right. You're thinking of the guy that was, he had a skin ailment, so he had to yeah. sit in a bathtub, and then some lady came up to him and stabbed him with a dagger or something. Oh, Dan, not Danton. Oh, I forgot the name now. So did I. Well, in France, he would also become friends with the leading philosopher in the country, Voltaire. 
Um, in this, and at a 1778 meeting of the Royal Academy of the Sciences, Franklin and Voltaire properly introduced were properly introduced, bowed respectfully to each other, but the audience wanted more. Here, two representatives of a new age, one from the old world, one from the new, must be more um, demonstrative. Finally, the two men understood what those present wanted, a full embrace with kisses on the cheeks, a symbolic uniting of, of their common intellectual adventure. In the same year, Franklin assisted in Voltaire's initiation into the Parisian Masonic Lodge, because remember, Franklin himself was um, a Mason. And when France's great man died soon after, Ben Franklin officiated at the funeral of Voltaire, who was deeply suspicious of all priests and organized religion. Because remember, Franklin talked about this either in episode one or two. Franklin was a little skeptical of organized religion and priest as well. Maybe that's because his father tried selling him to one. Who knows? Who knows how I mean, things... I feel like that could affect it, your you psyche know. towards yeah. the church. Maybe if your dad's like, hey, I can't pay this tithe. Please take my son. I mean, at least they <laughs> refused him. That's like... true. They did refuse him. Uh, Franklin, however, would come in conflict with uh, one of the other commissioners whose name was Arthur Lee. Lee had managed to anger just about everybody in France making it really hard for him to do his job of getting money from the French. He's the anti-Ben Franklin. He's the anti-Ben Franklin, where everyone is cheering on Franklin, making sculptures of him. They're probably making effigies of Arthur Lee and burning him. They're like, we don't like this guy. Go away. We like this America instead. I wonder if Lee had some... Um, uh, maybe he was jealous. Like, Ben Franklin's getting all this attention. Nobody's paying attention to me. And then he's just like a... Nasty person because of that. Probably. Uh, he would then accuse Franklin of misuse of funds. This is basically all shrugged off, though, because he accused everybody of that. It's like the boy that cried wolf. He's like, ah, they're all misusing funds. Blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, they decide Lee can't do his job efficiently, so they replace him with John Adams. And the relationship between Adams and Franklin would not be the greatest, um, and it's going to cause more contention for Franklin as he's in Paris. And that is what we'll talk about next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.